0: inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello and thank you for joining to this show today. I have a really very special guest who has even been mentioned in some of my previous episodes from some of my previous guests, let me introduce you Diana Buher. Diana is the best-selling author of 46 books published in 26 languages with nearly 4 million copies sold. Her personal development topics include leadership communication, executive presence, writing, and life balance. She has been inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame by the National Speakers Association. Success Magazine has named her to its list of 21 top speakers for the 21st century. Hello, Diana.
1: Hello, Oscar. It's great to be with you.
0: Uh, It's a pleasure having you here on the show, Diana. Could you start telling us a bit how you enter into the uh, speaking arena? How was your beginning?
1: Well, I started actually a long time ago, <laughs> and I didn't really intend to get into the speaking business. I just started out as a writer because I wanted to uh, stay at home with my toddlers and find a way to do that. And when the first book came out and my publisher sent me on a, on a speaking tour, people started to call. Corporations called and said, can you come out and teach our people how to do what you're you're talking about in this book? And uh, so when I did that and started with training courses, actually, and then got into doing keynotes, that's how I got started, really an unglamorous way with an unintentional career ahead of me. But people saw value in the books and the concepts, and, and needed help to actually do it. Of course, they could do it as an individual, but as a corporation, they needed help in rolling it out enterprise wide.
0: So yeah, the uh, the corporation needed your presence also, not just just a book.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. People can, you know, I, I like to write with practical, specific steps that people individually mm-hmm. can apply to their life, but. Many people are not in a position to just demand that everybody in the, in the organization do it. So you have to go in at the top many times and get to the executive level for them to have the, the clout and the money to say, look, this works. It makes us more productive. Everybody is going to start writing this way or presenting this way or, or having a, running a meeting this way. And that's what really then changes the whole culture. And that's what I was about and what was exciting to me. And that's when you need somebody really to come in and start the ball rolling, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And yes, I mentioned 46 books. You have, you're so prolific. And we are going to discuss quite a lot today about your latest book. It's called, what More, I can, what More Can I Say? Why Communication Fails and What to Do About It. So I would like to start asking you, what was your motivation for writing this book in particular?
1: Well, basically, if you think about it, everybody has to persuade somebody to do something, <laughs> you know, to, to change how somebody thinks or how they feel. You know, if it's not a family member, then at work or in your social circles, you want people to, to contribute money to a cause or somebody needs to change a bad habit or they need to improve their performance or to stop being angry or you, even you want them to support some kind of the political candidate if you're in your neighborhood or you, mm-hmm. you, you want to close a deal if you're a salesperson. So everything really centers around getting people to change their mind. And to do that, you have to influence them. So that's what, what more can I say the book is all about. It's about persuading, persuading people to do something or not do something or to feel something or don't feel something. And so it's, it's written for the individual, If, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to change your spouse or your child, your adult child or your neighbor or whatever, but it's also for someone who is at work and their corporation when you're trying to close a deal or set up a strategic partnership, you're just always about persuading or influencing people. And it's just full of persuasion tips and strategies and techniques.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's for a quite uh, general audience.
1: Well, general in the sense that everybody needs to influence yes yes but it's very specific in in that it's practical practical tips yes mm-hmm.
0: yeah most uh, like wider uh, this is what I actually wanted to, to say wider audience compared to so your other books have been some of them have been quite um, specific for a specific audience but this one is uh, as you say individuals, as you start saying can be applying yes. also in uh, in business yes your book opens with this comment The challenge of this century is to communicate complex ideas with clarity and civility. Why has this become such a challenge in our world and workplace?
1: Well, I I think it's a challenge because we're, we're more connected and we have more technology and everything is driven. And you would think that that's a good thing. But actually, because we're more connected and we have the technology to to communicate. But everybody is out there communicating mm-hmm. but different things. <laughs> and they're what you say on one side of the world can all of a sudden drop stock prices in the other side of the world just <laughs> instantaneous. You know, one CEO in in a company in in the United States can drop these the prices in Helsinki <laughs> somebody <laughs> in Russia can make a comment or take an action and all of a sudden in Sydney, Australia, the prices drop immediately or some scandal can do the same thing. And and even because we have uh, a, a, a an insult, it can do the same thing. So it can be good or bad, whatever the action is, it can have dramatic effect. and And also, Even the individual, you don't have to be in a high position in an organization to have that effect. Just because everybody, every solo entrepreneur out there is passionately trying to get your attention for their product or their service, you have to communicate that much harder and better to stand out. So I'm just saying it's a challenge. To get noticed for your message, whatever your message is, whatever you're trying to sell, whatever you're trying, whatever idea you're trying to put out. You just have to be so much better at it mm-hmm. because there's so many more people trying to get attention.
0: Yes, that's correct. As you say, now everybody's at least trying to communicate. It's like making noise, saying, and, but most of them are not uh, communicating effectively. And that is the, that's why it's so important what you, what you said.
1: Yeah. For example, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, even just last last spring, when they started having people to uh, publish on the, on there, when you when you published an article or a post, there were there were just a few million people, and so your post got um, a few thousand reads. Now that has just exploded Mm. so that there are millions and millions and millions more people publishing. And so the views of every post goes down exponentially. So it's just, there are just so many people communicating and vying for your time that you just have to do more. The the bar just keeps raising and it just keeps um, exponentially rising and rising and rising till um it's just the competition is just uh overwhelming to get your message out.
0: True. As you say, LinkedIn is a really good example because now everybody who is in is in LinkedIn is part of the network can post uh, an article and I have seen authors or thought leaders who I like, I admire respect, and they wrote quite interesting articles and the number of views is well um surprisingly low. It's because of this competition, you say. No, It's so it's so difficult to really stand out.
1: That, that's true. I mean, an article that I would have written last May uh, that would get 7,000, 8,000 views, mm. which is a lot, would now get maybe 2,000 views. Mm. And people, uh, the same thing with best-selling authors, it's just so many people just in a year that the views... Have gone down because of the competition when you have millions you know, three hundred million people publishing on LinkedIn and that's just in a few months how much the readership has and the competition has increased
0: mm-hmm. Diana, another interesting topic you mentioned in this book is the is distrust you say that distrust is a big cause of communication failure can you elaborate on that
1: yes. Trust is foundational in a relationship. It, it, it opens the door. You, that's, it, when I go through in, in the book, what more can I say? I have nine key just foundational principles to build, to become persuasive, to spread your influence. And the first one, that's that first step is trust. If you don't trust someone, you can't get to first base because they're going to look at everything you say and, and twist it. Uh, take a neutral statement. If you say something, uh, just a neutral statement like, um, "I'm wondering what's happening in in the stock market," or let's let's say you make a neutral statement like, "Our our stock last year has gone down." Well, if you don't trust that the person who's stating that, you could interpret that: Are they criticizing me to say we haven't done a good job in our division? Or are they blaming us? Or are they saying that we need to work harder? Are they reprimanding us because we didn't work hard enough? Or are they are they implying that we are mis- that we've miscalculated uh, the, the profits? You, you can interpret that neutral, co- it's really a neutral comment, but you can interpret it any number of ways according to what the relationship is, mm-hmm. according to what you think of that person to begin with. Or you could, if you like that person, you might say, oh, don't you feel sorry for them? They must be in a tough spot. Gee, they're, they, they're feeling responsible for that for that uh, decline in our profits. Oh, I feel so sorry for them. What can we do to help? How can we work harder? You see, it all depends on if you trust and like that person or you don't trust them and don't like them. So it's just, it, it's foundational for a relationship to how you interpret everything they say and how you interpret everything they do.
0: Mm-hmm. And trust, of course, as also you, you implied, is, um, is based on a relationship. It's something that it takes time to, to be built.
1: Right. And, and people sometimes don't realize how they convey trust or how they convey distrust. And the way you show people, sometimes just by your action, that you distrust them is that um, they're, they're blaming statements. Uh, inconsistencies between what you do and what you say. Uh, inc- inconsistencies, uh, for example, you 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 say goals that you have goals, but you don't actually work toward those goals. You don't. Uh, your performance doesn't match those goals. Um, and then the ways that you, of course, build trust. You're, you tell the truth, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You you're, you're straight with your people. You str- you do straight talk. Uh, you explain your reasons behind the decisions. A lot of people, when they announce a decision, it, you know, say a manager walks in and they say, um, "Look, here's the problem. Here's what I've decided to do." And they announce a decision and they expect everybody's just going to come aboard with, it, you know, move along, do it. And they don't give them their reasoning behind what they've decided to do. If you give them the reason, people trust you. They may not agree with what your decision, but at least they they trust that you've given it an honest effort and that you're trusting them with your thought processes. When you don't give them a reason, again, you're showing distrust. Um, If you're competent, obviously, in your job, that's building trust. If you're hopeful and you communicate well and your body language can show Mm -hmm. trust or distrust, all of those things that sometimes are just... Unconsciously done, either lead people one way or the other. Trust, distrust, trust, distrust, and and some some managers and professionals. They don't have to be a manager. Are just seem to be clueless. And you know, you you tell them, you, you staff, they they just don't trust you. They're not following you. They don't they don't believe you. And they 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 look at me sometimes when I'm coaching them, and they'll, well, why? why? We've got information everywhere. What do you mean they don't believe me? <laughs> and you have to, you have to point out to them. Well, the reason they don't believe you is, is your your actions are not matching up with what you told them at the first of the year. You came out with all these grandiose goals, but nothing you're doing is consistent with those with those goals or those strategies, and they just don't realize the ways they are building distrust in their people.
0: Hmm. Yeah, excellent, excellent example here. You're you're giving another. You have these laws on on your book, and another interesting of the laws. I would like you to to expand a bit more. Is this law of simplicity versus complexity?
1: Well, basically, some people think that the more complex they can present an idea, the smarter they sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are the more innovative the idea, but that's just not true. Actually, the average person's adult span is about seven minutes, and you you understand that because when you watch TV, you know that they break it for commercial about every five minutes, four or five minutes or so. So when you're think about that, when you're doing a presentation, the the presenter needs to be aware that you can't just go on and on. You've got to stop. You've got to ask a reflective question. You've got to ask them to, to talk back to you, to give you feedback, to do an exercise, to, uh, to express an idea, to, to work an exercise, to do something. The audiences today are not going to just sit and listen to somebody mm-hmm. talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, the same thing with the sentence. You, the longer the sentence, the more you water down the idea. The shorter the sentence, the stronger the impact. You know when you're reading a book and all of a sudden you've, you've gone through, come through a long paragraph and then you have a new paragraph and there's a three-word sentence. That three-word sentence grabs your attention. It is high impact. There's reason you don't drive up to a, in, in traffic. You don't drive up to a, an intersection and see a, a signal sign that says, all vehicles must be brought to a complete halt at this intersection. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you see, stop, all traffic signals are given in one word or two words. When you're working through a technical manual, you don't see sentences that are long. You see them start with the action word, like Mm -hmm. click here, buy now, Mm -hmm. enter, and just has one or two words, very short sentences. It's much easier to get people to act, to do something, to understand the concept. Senior executives know this. When you're at the top of the organization, use you, your words tend to be warmer friendlier shorter because you've uh, you've you've understood that to stand out to get people's attention the simpler the shorter that you can make a message the stronger the impact because of of clarity because of memory and because people don't have to work to understand what you're saying mm-hmm
0: And now that you mentioned the senior executives and the same happened with um, other senior leaders, politicians, that another mistake that happened is that um, people talk very generally, thinking that what you're saying is going to apply to, to everyone. You mentioned in this law of generalization versus specificity.
1: That's true, Mm -hmm. and and what I mean by that is is you 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 nailed it exactly, Oscar. They think that it's going to what they say. If they are very general, it'll apply to everyone, and instead, it applies to no one. Mm -hmm. It's just the wrong approach. Um, They, it's not memorable. It it doesn't stick in people's mind, and they what they want to know is how does this apply to me? Why is this important? and it even sounds intimidating because it's so general and overwhelming they don't they can't get a handle on it so what they and the worst thing of all when when a senior executive talks in a very general way it's confusing because as people pass the message on you know this manager passes it on to this person or this person passes it on to their peer or the team leader passes it on to everybody else they all will interpret it differently mm-hmm you know they'll, they'll explain well what i think he meant was or what i think she was saying to us was and it will get spread throughout the organization in innumerable ways and and that's the problem so the more specific the chances are the greater that people will all be on the same page so to speak exactly. will all understand the same message
0: And one last of the laws that I would like to to give uh, some some thought is uh, is about the law of distortion versus perspective. When you mentioned that those who have empathy are often poor negotiators, how is that?
1: Well, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have empathy. When I talk about law of distortion, I'm talking about empathy particularly because people tend to distort what they should be doing and what I'm talking about perspective, it's someone who can step out of their own point of view and see other people's point of view. Everybody has a point of view. Everybody is biased in one way that the advantage that, that the person who can take perspective has is that they understand that they're biased and they can mm-hmm. step outside of their own bias and see it from everybody else's perspective. The person who has too much empathy. In other words, you've heard the, the cliche, they give away the store. Well, that, that's why they're a poor negotiator. Mm-hmm. They feel too much empathy for everybody else, and they, they can't do what's right for them or the other person. And let me give you an example of what I mean. We've all probably heard stories of parents who let adult children... Take advantage of them, in other words, their adult mm-hmm. child says uh, i you know I just don't want to work for some reason and they <laughs> move back, they move back home with them and mooch off of them and at fifty years old they're still at home fifty five years old they're still at home, <laughs> living with mom and dad not working, and mom and dad are struggling you know they in their retirement they're struggling to get along in this this adult child has all kinds of excuses about why they can't work <laughs> and that parent feels sorry for them. You know, they keep making excuses for them and that that's empathy mm-hmm. to the, to the wrong degree, you know? And when really the best thing for that parent would be to force that child, that adult child to get out on their own and try their <laughs> wings and learn to exist in the real world, in the work world, and, and grow confidence and be able to function as, as an adult. So that, that's an example of what I'm talking about. If you have so much empathy that you can't see what's best for the other person, mm-hmm. then, then, then anybody can persuade you. You can't see long-term what is the best for you and everybody else, what is the, the overall common good, not just the good for that one person.
0: Hmm. Well, excellent an example, and it's true. I never thought about a empathy can be also bad for persuasion.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, you've got to think common good for for everybody.
0: <laughs> Diana, now could you share with us your favorite quotation?
1: Oh, there's so many, you know. And what <laughs> I, I put quotations in all the books that I write uh, at the start of the chapter and frequently throughout the chapter because just there's just so many great thinkers and philosophers, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like this one from um, Zig Ziglar. He says, the most important persuasion tool you have in your entire arsenal is integrity. <laughs> and and I think if, if you're going to be persuading someone, um, I, I just think that integrity is, is getting to first base. And I know in, in the book, What More Can I Say, I started each of those chapters with a quotation because all of those nine principles of persuasion in there are coming at persuasion from a different perspective. So I have a lot mm-hmm. of quotes in there. I, I just love quotes, but I really like that one. I'll, I'll even repeat it again from Zig Ziglar: "The most important persuasion tool you have in your entire arsenal is integrity."
0: Hmm. Yeah, I never never heard that before. So yeah, uh, that's it's, it's great. It has it's making me think of, about that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And now about books, you are a so prolific author. But I'm sure you have read many books. Can you? Pick one book that has been particularly inspiring, influential for you. Uh,
1: again, that would be very hard. I, <laughs> I, like, um, I like On Writing Well by William Zinser. And the reason I, I choose writing is because if you can write your words, that contributes to your being able to present well. Because I think any presenter... Needs to in public speaker the the better you get at writing and the the craft of writing and sentences and it makes you a better speaker and then I also I like um, and a, a book that I just I love anything that Anne Lamont L A M O N T writes but particularly her book Bird by Bird is on the career uh, the person who wants to be an author that book bird by bird is about becoming an, an author and again if you are writing ideas or you're speaking ideas i think as a public speaker you have to you have to understand the craft of writing to be a good speaker so i think if if you write well whether you're writing blogs or books or articles or whatever you will always improve your speaking tremendously
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, also great uh, recommendation from you. And I, and I agree that definitely no matter that you are mostly more speaking than uh, writing or anything else, but if (laughs) there's no speaker who doesn't write their notes and have to put their ideas very clear. So it's very important to, to write where well concisely. Right. Diana, and now could you end with a um, final piece of advice, something we call a routine to shine, something that we can add to our habits in order to be better speakers.
1: I suggest reading masterful bloggers and studying how they put words together. And I don't mean just reading them. Mm. I mean actually studying. Yeah. When you studying their word patterns, their sentence patterns, the rhythm of something. When you come across a sentence that just sings Think why? What was the? What was was it? The alliteration? Was it the sentence length? Look mm-hmm. at that passage over and over, and think how did they accomplish that? Why did it have the impact on me? Was it the example? Was it was it the pattern? Was it actually the writing style, or was it the idea? How did that differ from what I wrote the, the week before, etc.? Mm-hmm. And, and really study that writing because that writing. And that pattern and those rhythms will become part of you. that's That's the best thing I think you can do to transfer that craft from from the reading to your writing, but to your speaking.
0: Hmm. Also, oh, fantastic piece of advice, actually, I haven't heard it before, because of course, many many uh, speakers are um, analyzing all those. Someone else's speeches no like in the same way you were saying like saying the part pow- checking the powders and everything, but analyzing uh, great uh, bloggers is definitely a fantastic idea. thanks a lot, sure, Diana has been a fantastic interview. I like a lot to, to know more all these uh these laws this strategies you have put all together in this book. What more can I say? Thank you a lot. could you finally Tell us how we can learn more about you, follow you, what are the best ways?
1: Yes, at com, like my last name b o o h e r BoerResearch.com.
0: So excellent. Uh, I'm sure many will go there. Check the check your website for all the all informations. I I know you have a Videos, uh, reference for all your books and everything. So there's a lot of um, great and, information and, there.
1: And the book also, just I have a, w- a website just for the book. If you mm-hmm. just w- remember what more can I say, the you can find all the information about the book. What more can I say,
0: Perfect. Thanks again, Diana. It was a pleasure talking with you and I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you, Oscar.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...